created live on Fireside. Welcome to a live uh, broadcast from C2E, Commit to Excellence. We are here in Boston, Massachusetts, and we are live from Office Hours with Dr. DeVoe. We've been talking for the last two days with student leaders from across the country, and right now we are going to have some of our members of the faculty of C2E. Uh, you know, we're going to be here a little later today as well with some more students, uh, but I wanted to make sure that we brought the faculty in uh, just to get their thoughts on what this program has been like for them what's going on, and I want to welcome to the microphone Latina Hostin, and Latina, she just killed it this morning with her session. Uh, she did a C2E talk. Um, we're not going to use the, the branded talk name that maybe some of you are used to, but um, she did 12 minutes on, and the topic of her talk was called The Couch Conversations, Excellence Starts in the Mind. Lanita, it has been a pleasure getting to know you over the last couple of days. How have you enjoyed your experience? It's been amazing. Oh, yeah? I think post-pandemic, getting back into the realm of in-person events, yep. the energy that you feel in the room is irreplaceable. That's not something that you can recreate easily online. Right. So it feels good to be in the space with amazing leadership and amazing talent. Well, and you um, have not only a great perspective. I think one of the things I really enjoyed about your talk this morning was this idea of bringing people kind of into their own mind of saying, you know, you, you don't have to be, one of the things you said that really resonated with me is that your day the next day is going to start the night before when you get into bed that yes. night that is you know talk to me more about where that came from where did yeah. that kind of realization come from from you yeah you i don't know if you've ever woken up and you don't you don't feel your best and nothing happened you didn't get into an argument your finances are not ruined everything is fine when people feel that way i always ask them what happened yesterday right how right. did you feel when you fell asleep what did you consume what did you listen to those things are setting the temperament for your day right and so if you were on your phone consuming content that maybe it was like very stimulating, maybe mm -hmm. it was sad, maybe you were you were like in your feelings, maybe you were watching This Is Us, maybe you were watching yep. Yep. that Netflix series from scratch, yeah. and you were crying, <laughs> you yeah. fell asleep like that, you left your state of consciousness in that, like whatever you felt, your state of consciousness, mm -hmm. you left it there. Yep. So you're responsible for essentially programming your consciousness the night before you go to sleep. So the things that you're doing at bedtime, they matter. Yes, absolutely. I have gotten to the point where I take my phone and I plug it in in my office. It's nowhere near my oh, bedroom. Okay. And then I bought a Kindle. Nice. Okay. And I only read for the last half hour of the day. That's good. Right. Cause it kind of, you know, you get that, um, I don't know, white paper, what do they call it? That, yeah. that, that, that backlit kind of thing. Yep. And it makes my head not be in this zone. Cause if I'm just scrolling, mm -hmm. right, that, that definitely gets consumed yep. into your brain. Yep. So what, tell the listeners a little bit more about you, what you do, where you're based out of. Yeah. And then I want to ask you about the, the interaction you've had with the students so Absolutely. far. So I'm based out of Prince George's County, Maryland. Um, okay. I went to Towson University and I simply coach students to create a plan to execute their dream careers. Mm. And so I feel like it really starts at high school, but likely when I'm meeting them, they're in college or about to graduate. Okay. So we help them devise a plan. Our last, my last session that I'm doing today is actually gonna teach them. We're gonna map out a plan for success after college. Mm. That looks like having intentional goal setting 
Love like it. very intentional things that align with your end goal. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, that's what I get the privilege to do. I get to do it with universities, yep. with college groups, with government organizations, with parents. Yep. And so it's exciting stuff. I love it. And then so the students, what sessions have you done so far? And what has been kind of the what is the one student takeaway that you've had so far? Mm, OK, so I've done two so far. Yesterday, I did uh, a year of excellence, mm. and those are practical ways to plan to have your best effort of like the year, year of best effort. Um, and then my first session yesterday was Drive Like a Girl. That was for women leaders on managing their emotions. I love cars, so I use car analogies a lot. Um, and then today we have the couch conversation, excellent starts in the mind. Um, and then later today we have mapping out a life of success. And so I think the biggest takeaway that students um, – have shared with me is that when they showed up to this conference today, two people showed up in one form. The oh. person that I'm looking at mm-hmm. and the person that I never met, which is their inner child. And what I share with them and what I believe they're walking away with from is that they're both leaving and exiting every place they go into, work, school, relationships. Mm-hmm. That inner child lives with them. Mm-hmm. And if that inner child and the person you are today is not in alignment, you feel it. You feel it with your decision making, you feel it with your relationships, you feel it in your body. So your job is to get them in alignment. Sometimes mm. I look like jacking them up and putting them under submission. Like That's great. Yeah. I love it. I love it. And do you, when do you know when you connect with an audience? Man, when their eye contact doesn't leave. Yeah. Yeah. That's the best, right? When they when their eye contact does not leave. Mm-hmm. When their body language shifts from withdrawn to engaged. Mm-hmm. So maybe they're resting back. Maybe their hand is on their chin. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, you know, you can't even judge a person's external behaviors because not every person is physically expressive. I've had people be withdrawn, well, seemingly withdrawn, mm-hmm. arms crossed, staring yep. at the ceiling. And I've had them come and say, like, I was fighting back tears. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, to me, it looked like you were disengaged. Mm-hmm. But what they were really doing was resonating with them so much so they were physiologically having an impact that they were embarrassed to express. Right. So right. sometimes you really don't know unless they tell you. But commonly, people who are very confident in how they pro- like pro- like project themselves, you'll see it in their body language. They're smiling, they're being responsive, they're raising their hand. So those are some of the those, some of the true indicators. And the last one I'll say is, if there's a line when I finish, sometimes there's a line. People want to talk because that's not enough. Yeah, it's just enough to to get them interested. Now they have personal things that they want to dissect. So when there's a line, that's a very good indication that they were connecting and it resonated. That's great. That's great. And I want to highlight uh, one more thing about you. One of the things that I found super absorbing when I was listening to you speak today was that you were pulling from not only personal experiences, but you allowed for people to find themselves. You had this pacing. Um, some speakers have natural and intentional pacing mm. that really brings in the audience. And you have that. It is like you could literally see people kind of as they were absorbing what you were saying. They, it was lifting up their spirit. It was mm. lifting up who they were. And I want to I want to say to you, you were just on point. I found you, you completely absorbing. So thank you so much, Lenita, for thank being you. here. Um, and now where are you headed after this? She's going back home. I'm going home. Okay. <laughs> going home. All right. And so uh, 
I want to thank you. We will see you later. And you've got one more session, one this, more afternoon, session this afternoon. And then you are out. Out of here. I'm going to miss you guys. This is awesome. You, it was nice to have like kind of a, a moment, right? Yeah. How wild. Nice to be were. around some people. Yeah. And, and good people. Good people. That's right. Yeah. There you go. So there you go. So thank you so much, Lenita. I'm going to ask Jermaine to come on up to the microphone. We're going to do a kind of back forth thing. And uh, you are here with Office Hours with Dr. DeVoe. This is uh, coming to you live from the C2E conference. Uh, we are on Fireside. We'll be replaying this uh, not only here on Fireside, but we will be uh, able to play this back on Apple Podcasts, that's Spotify Music, uh, and on uh, iHeartRadio Podcast. Jermaine Davis, how are you? I am doing phenomenal. <laughs> I love that. I and now you are someone, the very first night, we sat next to each other as yes. we were waiting to come up on stage. And I think we had a moment. We had a moment. I didn't scare you, which is important. Do you that, typically scare people? Oh, I scare people all the time. Ooh. All the time. I think because I have kind of a big personality. Mm -hmm. But we all have, this is like the land of the big personality. So when yes. you're having dinner with a bunch of public speakers and trainers, that's a lot. Yes. That's a lot. You're right. Um, and so, uh, you know, you do public speaking, you do training, you work in corporate, you're a professor. Tell the world a little bit about you and your life in Minnesota. You know, I'm from Chicago originally, but started my career in Minnesota. And I tell people I spend my time helping people with the three C's. Okay. Communication, cooperation, and collaboration. Love it. Love so it. whether I'm working with teams, organizations, yeah. for-profit, non-profit, I'm, I'm really passionate about helping people build healthy environments with the three C's. Right. And uh, Jermaine had a, was part of a presentation yesterday, and he has a saying, and I, I would like you to do it for the for the, our listeners, <laughs> because now on, on my way here this morning, my husband was driving, and he was merging in and out of lanes like we do here in Boston, right. and he was doing such a good job. I said, G-O-O-D-J-O-B, good job, good job. Where did this come from? <laughs> Like, Tell us how that came from. So here's how I utilize it. I, I utilize it based on this, this principle in communication called complementing the effort. Okay. And you know how sometimes people wait to the end of a goal to celebrate. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes even parents yeah. or with our partner, spouse, or significant other. So complementing the effort says, I recognize your sweat equity right now. Mm. And so sometimes people need motivation along the way. Yep. And so I was trying to think, how could I keep engagement going yeah and so i started saying g double o d j o b good job good job so i'm teaching communication and students are in class they're working on their speeches and to encourage them i would just say g double o d j o b good job good job and then i would clap <laughs> And then all of a sudden, it began to take off yeah. in my classrooms and around the campus. And then I started adding it into my presentations. Yeah. And now when I go speak, people say, you will not get this contract if you don't do the good job. <laughs> oh, you got to so, do it. It's in the rider. Yeah, it's, it's in It's in the rider. That's great. There. So you do corporate. You do nonprofit. You work with college students. What is it when you're moving from one to the other? You don't necessarily, I know when I speak, I don't mm -hmm. necessarily change my message, but I right. know my audience is going to be in a different kind of state of affairs, Absolutely. right? And their mental space and all that kind of thing are going to be a little different. Um, 
do you, I'm not going to ask you which one you like better, but when, you know, now that you've kind of made it back out on the road and you're seeing people more and the world is kind of opening up again, have you noticed anything about the student population in particular that you're saying, all right, there's something different now. There's something I got to kind of sort my way out of. Yeah. You know, it's really interesting that, that two year period, COVID, the shutdown, I'm a communications professor, Mm -hmm. organizational leadership. So I've seen the impact yeah. and the effects of communication. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes I'm seeing interpersonal skills yep. are lacking. Yeah. Not yeah. people's competency, not their intelligence or smarts, but how they engage in an interpersonal level. Mm-hmm. So I have this quest to say, listen, let's dust off, let's recalibrate, or let's let's skill up. Yes. Because yes. communication skills are needed. So I'm actually seeing people more reserved Mm -hmm. than I have previously. Oh, that's a really interesting point. It's an interesting point. And a few of our speakers over the last couple of days have been talking about imposter syndrome. And I'm not surprised that our students are feeling that a little more now because they, you know, when you've been living in a Zoom room for two years or your interaction with people has been less than, you know, three-dimensional. Right. Right. You said, how the hell did I get here? Absolutely. Did, was this a fake way? I don't understand, right. Right? right? And so I think it's really important what you bring up about that idea of kind of, as it's not saying to people, you don't have the skills. We just have to kind of, kind of, kind of scaffold it a little different. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's great. And now, uh, you know, my last question for you, you've done some different sessions today. Your interactions with students has been, I'm sure, one-on-one at times. Is there was anything to take away where you said, you know what, I'm really glad I was here because of this? What was that moment? You know, I had several, but I'll, it was with my Commit to Excellence talk yesterday. Yeah. And I told a story um, about how my son had this experience with a nurse. Yeah. And I'm a really big proponent that when people add value to your life, yeah. you should let them know. Yes. And so the story that I told about my son, Zion, mm-hmm. right? He, he it's a has a beautiful story. Right. Thank you. He has eczema and he has eight dermatitis, mm-hmm. inflamed skin at times, but it was really conveying to this nurse. He had over 72 hours. He had 14 nurses, but it was one who stood out. Yeah. And I said, Zion, you should let her know. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget the look on her face when she said, thank you. Mm-hmm. And she says, I know this is COVID and I'm supposed to keep my mask on. Can I give you a hug? Yeah. So that meant something to her. Right. Like she felt seen and heard and valued on a deeper level. Yeah. So yeah. that story. And that is a, a beautiful story because I think one of the things that really I took from it was this idea of like, this is her job. Right. And she may feel that there are, you know, I don't want to say it's my favorite patient or this kind of thing. (laughs) But when you have a job, and especially if you're in a job where you are giving back to humanity in some way, those moments of, yeah, you're doing it well. Right. We don't hear it enough and we don't say it enough, you know. Um, and, uh, I think that at the, you know, I, I keep saying that we, there was a period during COVID where we were giving out grace a lot. Okay. We were giving it out. We were taking it in. And then all of a sudden, I don't know what happened. I don't know. It's because we got, we got our vaccinations or whatever. I literally remember at one point it was like, okay, we're back. I'm like, whoa, 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 wait a second. (laughs) I just want to be able to like have an on-ramp here. I don't want to just kind of keep go, 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 go. And we kind of forgot about that grace. And I want us to go back to that grace. So, yeah, absolutely. Jermaine, it has been an absolute pleasure. You are a beautiful soul. I am 
absolutely thrilled that we got to know each other. And uh, I'm going to uh, have Connie come on up and close us out. And Can uh, I so thank, thank you? you. Oh, in, yeah. In, in essence, yeah. when I first met you, hmm. your persona, your credibility precedes you. Thank you. I love that you were down to earth. You were approachable. You were a matter of fact. And I was like, I... I, I want to know her. Like, <laughs> if I lived here, I would be like, let's go to coffee like oh, yeah. twice a month or something, uh, or go out to eat. So thank that. you for making me feel comfortable oh, with your with your presence. And so when, when and we are going to see each other again. Yes, this I love not, that. It's not an it's not an option. Absolutely. All right. Okay. All thank right. You. Thank you, sweetie. And now we're gonna have Connie come on up, and uh, we're moving things around. You are here uh, live with Office Hours with Dr. DeVoe. I see we have some people in the audience right now, which so thank you so much. And uh, we are here on Fireside. It's a really special app. I love this app. I love this space. I love this as a creator and as a speaker and as a an educator. And I know there's some people in the audience. Can you all clap? Can you can you all can some of you clap for me? There you go. Okay, here we go. So we've got the clapping and all that stuff. Um, so this is Connie Armetto, and she is actually from Massachusetts, so we know each other as well before yes. coming into this, and she has a special kind of bent to her speaking. She's very, we call wellness-centered, okay? Um, and, uh, you know, so when you were putting this together, yeah. and you were asked to be part of this, and, you know, where you're at in terms of, you have, you're a mom, you have two kids, you're married, you have a, a strenuous job and your definition of wellness may be very different than, say, yeah. a college student. How do you make sure that when you're speaking to audiences of various generations that they're able to understand you? Because there's yeah. times where you could talk about being a mom or being a wife or being, you know, a working professional and a, an 18 to 22 year old's not going to necessarily connect with that. But you have this ability. You're talking about these things. You're bringing it out there. You're making people kind of think about it. What's your, what's your secret yeah. sauce? So, you know, I think for me, it's about remembering my experience mm -hmm. as a college student. And, you know, I think I've just been really privileged just to have stayed in higher ed for so long and I don't get out, right? To sort of <laughs> learn, learn more, right? right and right. keep myself relevant, I think, and just understand that, you know, the issues that we experience as a college student mm -hmm. happen happen even yes, after yes. you've had kids yes, and yes. after you've had a family. And, you know, I think even in my talk today, you know, I shared that, yeah, that, you know, yep. it, it was 20 years later that a message or experience that I had when I was back in college was the same. Right. Um, and so I think for me, um, that's the first thing is remembering my own personal experience. I think the second thing is just, you know, keep talking to college students and understand sort of what what's going on in the world. You know, for me, mental health right now, I think, is a really, yeah. really big so, area. Yep. Um, and it doesn't matter where you are. This impacts everybody. And so I have to say there was a student that walked up to me after my talk today and she shared a personal experience about what's going on. Yep. right now. And, um, that hit home for me. Yeah. You know, yep. um, and, and Connie, for those listening, the Connie, uh, talked about a moment in her life back in 2016, where she literally crawled to her neighbor's yeah. house. Um, she was going through a moment. She's like, I think I'm dying right now. This is it. This is the yeah. end and crawled to her neighbor's house. Neighbor takes her to the hospital. Husband finds her at the hospital. Um, and, they come back with her test results and it's, you're fine. Yeah. 
and she's like, no, not feeling fine. And they're saying, are you kidding? Are you kidding? You're like, you know, and they're saying, no, you're fine. And, and but you need to kind of reevaluate how you're doing and repacing your life here. Yeah. And that takes a lot. And she pulls back from uh, an experience she had as an undergrad working with her mentor um, who had a heart attack. Yeah. And someone who thankfully is still alive now, part of your life, but he had to take a step out and reevaluate how he did his work. Yeah. And your experience in that wellness space and that idea of where is, you know, mental health right now, we've, we've done some past shows here of office hours on mental health and the mental health um, crisis on campus. We knew 10 years before COVID that our mental health issues were an absolute disaster waiting to happen. We were understaffed. We were not building up our our health centers and our mental health centers on campus the way they were. Um, And now it's only gotten worse. Um, You know, you work um, at Babson College. You worked prior to that at WPI, which is an engineering school. You've got very intelligent, very highly motivated people around you. Um, When you kind of talk to students and more importantly to faculty, because you do do that. You talk to faculty, you talk to staff. How do you help them kind of keep a a wellness perspective in terms of what they're doing to advise their students and help their students? Absolutely. So, you know, I firmly believe that it's important for us to focus on our health first. Mm -hmm. If we're role modeling behavior, um, you know, well first, I call it. And and really thinking about how are we taking care of ourselves and the more that we do that, the more opportunities others that are surrounding us can absorb that and yeah. really understand that we are role models for that. What we say, how we act, um, how we're engaging. And mm-hmm. and the first thing I think that we can do and that we should do is asking people, how are you? Right. And giving them space mm-hmm. for the answer. Yes. And not pushing it off or brushing it off and saying, oh yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't really care about that. But at the end of the day, we all want to feel cared for Mm -hmm. and we want to feel like we belong. And it doesn't matter where we are, whether you're a student, whether you're a faculty member, whether you're a staff member, whether you're in corporate America, it doesn't matter. Um, We're in a, we're in a world, I think today, where if we don't do that, we are really missing out, Mm -hmm. I think on the core of rebuilding our world. Um, And you're right, Laura, you know, I think mental health, you know, this isn't new. No, 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 (laughs) it's not new at at all. I I was listening to, no, you finish and I'm going to tell you what I was listening to this morning. Yeah. um, You know, this isn't new. It's just that experiences that we've had have just brought it up to the forefront. Mm -hmm. But I have to say that if we're not intentional about that within our communities, Mm -hmm. it won't change. No. Um, you know, and so I think really checking in with people and asking them, how are you? And then being honest, right? Mm -hmm. You know, there's so many cultures out there that it's not okay to Mm -hmm. say, Hey, I'm not doing okay today. Right. And it's also about, you know, where, uh, this morning I was, I listen to podcasts, like it's my job. Okay. And this morning I was listening to one, uh, and, uh, Gary Goldman, who is a stand-up comedian, he has done something called the depression. Okay. (laughs) And it's a, It's a great uh, documentary. And basically what happened, he had about 15 minutes of material about he has been institutionalized. He had 20 rounds of uh, electrotherapy. He's had just a lot he's struggled with and has overcome um, or is managing at least his depression. And, you know, he talked about being a kid in the 70s and that when you were a sensitive boy, that he said there was only two kinds of men 
in the seventies when he was growing up, it, you were either Clint Eastwood or Richard Simmons, <laughs> like, and there was nothing in the middle. And this idea of being able to be sensitive was not something that was that, embraced. Mm-hmm. And I just don't know how far we've come from that. Yeah. But I do believe that our intention and how we ask people, how are you doing and being in this space? And, and I want to bring it back to this session and to this conference, because what I've been seeing with the faculty, and I think that's the power of a session of, of a program like this, what I see with the faculty is not only are they, are they great presenters giving great content, but a student, especially young people between that traditional age of 18 to 23, 24 years old, they now have found somebody in that is now, they have now brought them into their orbit that they say, this person gets me. I get them. Yeah. And I saw that with you. I saw people listening to you and they were saying, I, I am absolutely relating to this, this message and to this piece. And so when you have that connection, how responsible do you feel to that person? Mm. That's a great question. Um, you know, I, I really pride myself in, in being very real and, vulnerability is, is a big piece of who I am. You know, even as I thought about sort of what I was going to share today, I said, uh, I'm going to walk in and just be me and be real that, you know, life is real. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and to be honest, you know, I'm thinking about the conversation that I had with that student after our session. And, um, you know, they were looking for someone to validate yes. where they were. And for me, it's about holding space for them in that moment. It's not about responsibility in that, you know, I'm not here to solve their problems, right? But it's also, I think for me to ask them, what can I do for you in this moment? Mm -hmm. How Mm -hmm. can I hold space for you? Sometimes people are just looking for you just to listen and really clarifying that. Um, And maybe they are looking for some guidance and direction. But for me, it's about offering that reflection back to them so that they walk away feeling as if they know what that next step is or that they feel better as a result of it. You know, we don't have to have the answers. I think sometimes, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we're all like, we've got to be responsible. Well, we're responsible for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I'm here hopefully to teach others to learn that and that it's possible and that it's okay. And you don't have to, you know, my coach always says to me, I have a coach myself. He says, pressure is poison. Yeah. You know? And so we don't have to have that pressure, but really, creating that space for others to really be open and honest and going back to your sensitive piece. I'm a, I'm a highly sensitive human. Mm -hmm. Um, I similarly to your story, I mean, I could tell you I've spent $50,000, you know, over the years trying to figure out sort of why my body was reacting the way that I was until I accepted ultimately Mm -hmm. who I was. And so I know that that's also what's probably going on for our college students today. Absolutely. So So Connie, you're a special person. I'm so glad you're in my life (laughs) and I want to thank you for being here. And I want to bring up our last faculty member. Thank you so much. And so uh, this is Michael Miller and you are here with Office Hours with Dr. DeVoe. We are live from the Commit to Excellence Conference here in Boston, Massachusetts. And, uh, you know, Michael, you closed out the the morning session today, the C2E talk, um, and you really kind of brought people to their feet. (laughs) <laughs> okay, which is amazing, um, especially at nine o'clock in the morning for college students who've been out wandering around the city of Boston last night. Uh, you know, you've been doing this a long time, um, long. long time. <laughs> yes, long. And and one of the things that I want to make sure that people understand is that you have been on college campuses across this country, see students who are 
at the, um, you know, your highly ranked institutions all the way to colleges where people would say that's an open enrollment college, right, right. that sort of thing. I wonder about your reflection on leadership. I wonder about when you've actually been on campuses and seen students lead, is there a common thread that no matter what kind of campus they're on, whether they be at the most selective or an open access institution, is there a common thread of leadership? Well, I want to, I if I can, yeah. just take an aside on that. It's a great question. I love that you're talking about institutional type. I was on a plane recently yeah. and I was landing in Boston and I was heading to Bunker Hill Community College and I was next to a gentleman who was going off to do some work at Harvard and he said hey wh where are you going what I said oh I you know I do primary audiences college and universities and he said where are you going and I said oh Bunker Hill Community College it's right here in, yeah. in Charlestown and he says oh good luck with that oh. and I have to tell you my student affairs blood boiled, boiled. right and right I said, what, what do you mean? Yeah. And that was a trap and I'm admitting it. Yeah. I said, I said, that is a, you have a woefully inaccurate perception. Mm. I said, cause let me tell you something. I would take those kids over some of the four year college mm. universities I've worked at yeah. any day of the week. So, but there is a common thread yeah. and the common thread is the thing that I don't think those of us that are engaged in the enterprise of the academy yeah. can teach. Yeah. And that is they care. Yeah, they're yeah. into this. Yeah, whatever the hook was, and by the way, we can influence the hook. Yes, absolutely. These these kids give a damn yeah. about their community, about their college, and that is sometimes all I need yes. in terms of the energy to do what we do yeah. with, with with college kids. I'm I'm, so, I'm impressed by their resiliency mm -hmm. um, and what they've been through, and they persist and they proceed and and they fail. And by the way, they're supposed to they're supposed to make a billion mistakes. Yes, I, you know. But and that, it's I a think... safe place to make mistakes. Like I always say to my audiences, I always say to my students, there is a reason why you make mistakes in school. Okay, right. We are here to catch you. Okay, I'm not going to make it up for you, but I am going to give you the tools so that when you go out and do it again, it, you do it in a better way. Absolutely. And, and, and by the way, I always say to them, make a lot of mistakes here. Yeah. In a place where you're not going to be fired or kicked out. Right. Because when you get into the place where there may be a different level of not, not of accountability, because the accountability thing, I think, is the same. We hold our students accountable when the consequences are different yeah. for mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You'll make less mistakes. Yeah, you know, you'll be more equipped to, to manage the things that you're required to manage. So. Yeah, I know, and I absolutely agree with you. I think that, and I'm glad you you confronted the guy on the plane because I think that, in my experience, I I it is about a value. Okay, the students come to leadership through values. They want to do something better. Correct. I thought it was really interesting. There was a student here yesterday who was asking questions of some of the other faculty about. He's like, I get angry. And I don't know how to stop that. Mm -hmm. And I need to figure that out. And I was really happy he was that self-aware that anger does have a limitation and an impact on his leadership, that people may not find him maybe as safe to be around or somebody who not so much safe, like I'm afraid of you, but this idea of like, I'm going to share a piece of advice or an opinion and you're not going to be as open to it. Um, and he's aware of that. He knows that it's creating uh, a tension in his leadership, but also he's not going to be able to be the full leader if he doesn't get this under control. Yes. And then when he moves on to beyond the institution, you know, when you you've been around pr 
that you, if you had to add up how many students you've actually talked to over time, it's, it would fill a college campus, right? Um, and not a, not a small one. Um, when you think about this kind of idea of that 18 to 22, 24 year old student, um, and that, that leadership acumen that they're trying to develop, what is it about a, an experience like this, which I almost feel like is a buff. We were talking about the breakfast buffet this morning because it was behind us when we were talking. It's almost a buffet. Okay. It's a, it's a leadership buffet. Okay. If you were to like, someone said, okay, Michael, we want you to stock the leadership buffet. What are some of the topics? Maybe not ones that are all your topics, because right. we know you can talk on a lot. Um, but there's, are there some leadership topics that young people need to start to consume? Yes. So that when they get the full meal, when they get the full plate, it's it's complete. Yeah. You know, it's funny because Dr. Zeb Davenport, yeah. who is at Westchester University, he's part of the yeah. team yeah. here yeah. at C2E. He said to me, well, I was listening to you. And in my closing, I can't talk about this, this or this because all of you took it from me. <laughs> And, and but I thought, no, that's incorrect. Yeah. And I mean that in a good way. And I said this yeah. to, to Dr. Davenport. Um, th there are things that get repeated by us. Yes. And I love that because that's the thing when it starts that you're hearing this again and yes. again in yeah. a different way, in a different mm -hmm. format. But for me, I go to the practical, Laura. Mm -hmm. I love theory. Yeah. I'm a theory person mm -hmm. personally. Mm -hmm. But when I get an hour with my students in this kind of setting, yeah. I got to give it to them fast. Yeah, right? exactly. Right? So I go to the practical because here's the deal. My students maybe can tell me about um, a, a, the social change theory, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. students I've worked with, yeah. but they can't lead a meeting. Right, you know, right, you know and, right. And by the way, because somehow the critical connection between the theory and the practice isn't connecting. Mm -hmm. So I, I tend to lean with students when I have a short time with them toward the practical. Mm -hmm. So, the, you know, some of the personal development skills that we've done here, yeah. time management, um, 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 you know, uh, learning to communicate with people who are different from you. Yeah. There's skill sets in that. There's there's yeah. tone to that. Those things, um, if you're a student government member, a parliamentary procedure, yeah, it's dull. It's, it's boring. <laughs> but you know what? It's like stick a pen in my eye. Right, exactly. But yes, yeah. and, and shoot me dead. <laughs> but I will tell you two yeah. things. Yeah. One, when they do it right, yeah. any advisor, yeah. when you oh, see your, yeah. my it's heart. It's like choreography. It is like Bob Fosse. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> my heart swells with pride. I yeah. almost get teary-eyed because yeah because they're using it correctly. But you know, I think about my own experience. I learned it in high school and then really in college. Mm. And then I'm on the board of directors at NACA and I'm in this meeting, right? And yeah. we're, we're approving thousands and thousands of dollars in salary for our, our yeah. and there it is again. Yes, and yes. why am I equipped to do this? My students, our students are gonna experience yeah. the same thing. So I tend to go to the skill building I really encourage your listeners, those who work with students directly still, yeah. and I know you have a broad audience yeah. here, um, they have to know how to do things. Right. And by the way, you want to build self-esteem and confidence, which are meta level, mm -hmm. theoretical mm -hmm. level, apply to anything. Have them be good at something. Right. Let them experience on their own, not because we fed it yeah. or forced it or twisted Absolutely. them. And I do think that in the pressures of higher ed right now, mm -hmm. our advisors, our res life staff, our student activities folks, mm -hmm. they don't have as much time. No. So they are kind of beating the students over the head with this yeah, stuff. Yeah, you yeah. know, it, diversity is an example, right? Yeah, I think mm -hmm. that's one of the critical things, obviously, duh, right? You're but right. I remember when I started in the field, I used to attack, I would hear a student say something that I perceived as ignorant, I would attack them. Yeah. I went on my high horse about diversity. And then I realized, 
There's no student development in that. No. That's me telling somebody what to think. And it's the quickest way to scare the racist student into the closet. Right. right. So better to question, better to ask, better to evaluate right. together right. in a spirit of learning. Because you, we come to college to banish ignorance. Yeah. So let's banish all the things. And some of that is skill set. So I, I'm not sure I really answered that. No, but, you but, did. And I think that, but I think one of the things that I took from that and, and what I take from all of the kind of great uh, in, in faculty who are here today and people who I know who are out on these campuses and who are actually trying to develop leadership. And we we, we want to make sure that students actually have these applicable skills that they can then take and apply, right? And we know ultimately they're going to get the book learning, as some people would say, that is going to make sure that they are competent in their job in terms of the doing of the job. What actually makes them exceptional in their job is the interpersonal skills, is the actual ability to take initiative, is the thing that like, oh God, this happened, all right, we gotta pivot, we gotta change. Those are all things that they're going to learn within this space. And I think one of the things that's super valuable about this experience uh, here in Boston over the last couple of days has been that students are actually meeting one another and hearing their own challenges and their own difficulties and saying like, oh my God, all right, now I, I know I'm not feeling so isolated. I met some wonderful students yesterday who made decisions to go to certain colleges um, and do the things that they're doing because they were tired of being in their Zoom room, in literally locked in their bedroom for two years. And people said, I took a decision, I took the move to go to a place to try something to break out of whatever was my mold. I'm not unhappy with my family, or there's not always that level. Right. But it was definitely like, you know what, I know I can do more. And maybe, just maybe, there's, and this goes to a little bit of what Jermaine was talking about earlier, about this, there, there's this, this kind of communication gap that's happening right now. Um, they know how to communicate with a screen in front of them, but they're not quite sure how to hit that three-dimensional face-to-face. And I think that what is this is such an important opportunity for people to start to, to build that muscle memory yes. back up um, yes. and that it is an essential opportunity. I think my last question for you um, before we, we go off for this, this uh, episode, and I want to thank folks who are in the audience right now uh, with us here in Fireside uh, within the app, uh, is that what is the promise you're seeing with these young people? You probably are going to say, you know, you spent the time. What's the promise? Laura, I am so glad that you asked that question <laughs> okay. because I have a little bit of a soapbox. I won't get Go on ahead. it, but I have a thing. We, those of us that work in higher education, we have a tendency to criticize mm. this generation of students. Yeah, yeah. The millennials to the Gen Z, mm-hmm. we... We don't like that they deal and wheel and deal and that mm. they negotiate and that they want the rubric and they want the rules, right? Yeah, yeah. This bothers me for, for many reasons because yeah. would you rather they were burning the building down mm-hmm. like in the 60s? Yeah. Would you rather the disengaged students of my, my generation? Were? Now, we, we, <laughs> exactly. The way I treated yeah. my advisor, mm-hmm. I, I think now I shudder because none of my students ever treated me this way. Yeah. They were the hired help. Yeah. You're here to support me. I'm the adult. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not going to take students who come to this conference mm-hmm. and miss two days of class and bring their books. Mm-hmm. You see them yeah. reading and so they're pressured. 
you can't work with that, mm-hmm. I can work with that. Mm-hmm. They are serious and they are scared. Yeah. And by the way, we have scared them a little bit. Yeah. Um, they, I need us to think about knowing that they have the capacity. I'm hopeful. When someone says to me, what do you think of these kids? What's going to happen to the world? The kids are all right. They're all right. Yeah. They've got it. Yeah. They've got it. They're worried about the right things. Mm-hmm. And we need to give them, we need to reinstill in them a sense of joy yeah. in the world, yeah. a sense of wonder. And it's okay not to worry about everything all the time mm-hmm. because they are serious. They're mad on average, I'm talking in the general, Mm -hmm. they're serious. Mm -hmm. They're serious. They're more serious than my set of students were. And they're more serious than the last set of students I worked at when I was on campus 20 years ago. I see it because I'm on campuses, Mm -hmm. you know, still, I mean, I I, I do two weeks to, you know, I've been on. You're like the fun uncle. (laughs) And I see it and I see how serious they are and how committed they are and how conscious they are of the cost of their education. Yeah. They yeah. go to class. Yes. They follow up. They're worried. Yeah. They, they interact with their faculty when they need things. Mm-hmm. Um, it, 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 that's what I take from them. And I see it at this thing because at this conference C2E, because this is a, 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 a level of committed students, a level of engagement that they've right. already that they bring to the table. Yeah. Um, so, but I, 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 I'll take the millennials. Yeah. I took the Gen, the Gen X's. Yeah. I'll take the next group too. Yeah. These kids are all right. Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely agree with you. I think that they have a, they are the most understanding. They are the most curious. They want to understand other people's lived experiences and they are less judgmental then there's always going to be your a-holes. No, yes, I mean, like, I'm yes, not saying that. Yes, but like, the, and as, the cancel culture is not all of them. Right. It's a subset of them. Right. And, and by the way, we need to work through that with them too, yeah, because yeah. where's the dialogue? That's my only worry, yeah. but it's not all of them. It's yeah. not all of the students. And that's, I think some of that is on us because we have this, um, I, I say all the time, the important thing is the process. You need to have a process that actually gets you to where you want to go. Um, and one of the things that we try to do is we try to cut through um, and cut out uh, dis- discord, okay? And people like, I don't like when people are, un- are not uh, getting along. So we're going to have a process to avoid that. Why? We need to have, we, we have to have disagreement. And if we yes. don't have disagreement, we're not going to get better. By the way, yeah. in student affairs, we're the nicest people in the world. Those oh are the, really the nicest. The good it's exhausting. Folks. It's yeah, exhausting. <laughs> but but we disagree and we're supposed to. Yeah, we're exactly. supposed, We get at our best when we disagree. Yeah. If we're committed to keeping the relationship intact and working together, we don't have to be friends. Or We, we know yep. all this. We try to teach the students this, but you're right. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it's a, we're supposed to have a fight every now and again. Yes, exactly. How could you work closely with someone every day for two years yeah. and, ne- and never have a fake. disagreement? I don't, I don't believe it. Yeah. I don't believe that we never disagree. When you find that kind of alignment, you better stick with that person then forever. Right. If, you right. ne- if you never have a question right. about something right. you just Take them shopping. Mine. Take them shopping. Don't try to do something innovative. Right. Bring them with you and say, are these the right pants for me? Yes, they yes. look fabulous. No, yeah. they don't look fabulous, but if they're going to, if that's what you want, take them shopping. Mine. Don't have them be in your office yes. and helping you try to Innovate. Our best colleagues are the ones that call us up and say, what the heck are you doing, doing. over there? Yeah. I'm like, whoa, yeah. what, tell me. Like, yeah. If there's that trust, man, you come out better. Exactly. So I, I hope that we, we can grow that. 
that sense of discourse with our students. I agree with you. Laura, I think this podcast is great. I've been (laughs) eavesdropping on the students. Thank you for letting me have a moment with you about it. But This has been fabulous. It's it's wonderful spending the time with you. And I want to thank everyone for being there. This is Office Hours with Dr. DeVoe, and we will be back later on with some students here at the C2E conference in Boston, Massachusetts. Have a great day, everybody, and remember, get out there and learn something.